Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I have in my hand uh, something we're handing out today. We've been giving out things all month for our series SPF, Summer Prayer Focus, but obviously just kind of fun playing on the SPF that goes in sunscreen. It's the summer here in Texas. We need protection. Uh, we kicked off the summer with clothing ourselves with Jesus and putting on the word. And so just kind of as a reminder of everything we've talked about up to this point and all the prayer points for the month of July, uh, we want you to grab one of these or two of these on your way out. Um, I don't worry if there's any left over, I'll take them. I use them constantly. I'm just sitting under these lights. I probably should put some on. But uh, listen, SPF is a sun protection factor. And, and my whole point in all that is prayer is the protection factor for our life. Amen. And so the more we apply, the more we pray, the more protected we are. So just kind of a reminder to you, you can grab that on your way out. All right. Hey, are you ready for the word? Yeah, I got to get into it this morning. So I'm a little nervous because I have a shorter time because it's encounter and I haven't been up here in a long time. I got lots to say. And so um, I'm going to talk a little fast. I don't normally do that. And so... (laughs) And so uh, you can always go back and stream, get your live notes out, log on to that. But as I said, we're wrapping up a series. And, and really, when we're talking about a series of prayer, we're just trying to get you more comfortable with pressing into that relationship with God. And that's one of the things that prayer does. That's actually why it makes it a little more difficult and uncomfortable and awkward at times. We'll talk about that this morning. But the really more importantly than the message today, uh, the things I want to share, I, I hope that it compels you or inspires you to respond in a way that will you'll experience God. Because... Uh, can I just say it this way? We don't need another message about God. We need an encounter with God. Uh, what happens is we get in these routines and we have such access to information. I'm going to bring you a message, but it's not about the message really setting up the encounter time because there has to be a point in time where we get past just the head knowledge and we experience him for who he is in our life, that we get to know him. And that's really what Christianity is all about. We have too many Christians that know about God, but don't know him personally. And we can fall into that in churches. That's easy to do. Believe me. It's comfortable to do it that way. So all we know to do is at the end of our service, we've carved out some time at the end of our service to just give you a chance to step in to some, some of the things of God, uh, perhaps out of your normal routine. If you want something that's not normal, you got to do something that's not normal. And so um, I want to encourage you this morning to just be, open your heart up to receive and to be ready for what God wants to do in and through uh, this time today. Let me say it this way. God cannot be fully understood unless he's experienced. I mean, we know that to be true in anything in life. We have a lot of knowledge of things, right? I know a lot about a lot of things, but until I actually do it, I never really understood it. This seems to be true about people. We form ideas and opinions about people based on what other people have said or even that we've read or seen ourselves. But then when we engage that person, we thought, wow, they're different than I thought, you know, or they're better or worse, however, you, however that goes for you. There's just something about an experience. And God was always meant to be experienced, not just to be learned. And so we're going to take a look at a story uh, in the scripture that will help us get ready for what I believe God wants to do the remainder of our service. And we're going to look at Moses. Moses had an encounter with God. And so the things that Moses walked through, talked about, we're going to look at because that'll help us understand the dynamic of a face-to-face relationship and how we can press into that. So if you would get your Bible out, turn to Exodus 33. It'll be on the screen for you. Starting in verse 11. uh, Let me start there. Here we go. The Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face as one speaks to a friend. I love that. Moses is expressing to people that I have this relationship with God, but it's like a friend. And I mean, just like we talk all the time, you can imagine how he formed that 
uh, relationship there. We, we talk, we spend time together. It's just like, and that probably blows some people's mind because it's like, well, that's different than the relationship I have. But understand, this is Exodus 33. It didn't start out that way. And there are things that Moses wrestled with and walked through to get to that point of a personal relationship. And I believe it's the same thing that we wrestle with and walk through, obstacle-wise, or even maybe if we could say it this way, excuses. But this scripture really is what I feel that should describe our prayer time, as we've been talking about prayer, our, our relationship with God. Uh, sadly, for most people, it doesn't, it's not describing it. Most people never really find a comfort zone in that prayer time with God that relationship with God. In fact, keeping in mind what Moses said about face-to-face as with a friend, that probably doesn't describe our prayer time. Because for most of us, prayer is kind of an emergency thing. I mean, a reactionary thing. Things aren't going so well, or I have a big meeting, or I got a diagnosis, or whatever that is. And so our prayer is different than perhaps a friend time. Uh, A frustration it might be, or it might be super formal. Right, form a, a formal time with God that all of a sudden we're this way interacting with other people, we're hanging out with our best friends, we're, we're having a good time, and all of a sudden we go in our prayer closet and we are totally different, right? Some of us get that different voice, right? That different preaching voice, right? That all of a sudden that King James voice, you sound like almost like James Earl Jones or something like that when you're coming to God, and all of a sudden all this different, and that's like the formality of it even, perhaps even the, it seems like not even close. And so, I mean, I wonder sometimes if we were to look at our life or you were to look at mine or also look at yours, if my prayer time really matches my time with my best friend, my wife, or some other relationships I have. And that's what Moses, I believe, is describing here. And that's our goal. We want, we want to have and develop a relationship like that because we want to experience God. We don't want our, our prayer time and time with God to be something that's, we're, we're, we're working out of this kind of formal type process and there's really no enjoyment there. And so Christianity is not about just our beliefs. Let me say it this way. Christianity is not just about our beliefs, although our beliefs are extremely important, but Christianity is about our experiences with God. And living out of that and speaking out of that with other people and talking about that. We want you to experience his power, love, forgiveness, joy, and peace. And so we're going to look at Moses' encounter here. And we're going to look at the beginning of the story because it wasn't always a face-to-face relationship. So let's take a look at Exodus 3, starting in verse 1. Here's what it says. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now just that phrase, far side of the wilderness, I just described a lot of our relationship with God. Let's just be honest. Our prayer time, it seems like I go into prayer and he's distant and I don't really get anything out of it. (laughs) Moses is taking the flock because he's in exile from Egypt and he's out wandering the wilderness, the desert. And that probably just described a desert-like experience in our our desert-like experience in our prayer time. Maybe even for some of us coming to church, maybe even at home when we're trying to engage God, we feel this distance and we don't feel like we're really getting a lot out of it. Goes on to say this, there was an angel of the Lord appeared, that appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. To which I would say, that sounds pretty cool, but understand God doesn't always work the same way twice because when we build a doctrine around it. Well, I wish God would show up in a burning bush. That's the way I'd know it's God, right, speaking to me. But then we would also all worship the burning bush. In fact, today we'd be called bush of life or whatever, you know, that tree of life or burning bush of life, however you want to say that. And so that's just the reality of it all. We, we, we would miss the God of the moment. And so here's what's interesting about it. Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? And I just want to say, if you want to see something burning but not burn up, 
come up to the chemistry night Wednesday night. It looks like there's a lot of fire going on, but hopefully nothing's getting burned there. But come on out, bring the family. But so what, what happened here is Moses sees this unusual thing happening, strange thing he'd never seen or experienced before. He goes over to see what it's all about, and then God speaks to him out of that. Verse 4 says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God, call, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here am I. Here's what's interesting to me. We see and experience things that we don't really understand a lot of times, and most of us run away from that. Uh, let, me, let me back up for a second. Remember your first time at Tree of Life Church. You may not have ever experienced, someone's laughing right here, I know that. You may not have ever experienced church like this before. Not that we're better or worse than anybody else, but it may have been different to you. It may have been they're doing things like, what is that raising your hand thing all about? And some people are getting a little excited and yelling there. This is church for goodness sake, what's going on? It may be something more like the giving or the serving or some aspect like that. And maybe to you it was different or strange or maybe even unusual. But here's what I know about God. God works in different ways. But when you respond to God, he responds to you. So as Moses, it says, goes to check out what's going on, even though he didn't know what it was, God said, God spoke to him because he saw Moses come to him. Can I tell you, those are moments like we're going to create the end of service that don't just shy away from those, step into that. And as God sees you step into that, even though you don't understand it, but you feel the life, you feel something drawing you in, praise and worship is drawing you in, and you want to raise your hand, but you don't, go ahead and raise it because when God sees your response, he comes to meet with you. I love that. But we've been taught so many things about that's weirdness different. There are some things I agree with that. But I just want to encourage you, when God's drawing you into that moment, it's better to respond. And God speaks to you in that moment. I love that idea. All we know to do today is create a moment. We're going to go back into some worship and have some things that if you choose to, you can step in a little bit. Here's what I know, that God will meet you where you're at. And he goes on to say this in verse five, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for this place where you're standing is holy ground. And here's what I believe about that. It wasn't that that location, that locale necessarily became holy because then there'd be a huge shrine or monument we'd all go worship at every year right there. But he was talking about a moment that there was a holy moment created. There was a holy place in time. There was a holy place in his life that God, God wants to create a holy moment with you. We can't create holy moments. We can create environments for you to step towards God, for him to step towards you. And in that moment, there's a holy moment created with you and God. That's all we know to do. But listen, here's why I know it's not a place because there's a moment God wants to make that's holy and it's not just a place like church. Church is not a holy place. It is when you come and engage God. It's a holy moment that we experience, not a holy place. And the good is that, of that is that you can experience a holy moment in your house. Thank goodness we don't have to wait and come one time a week at, at best to have a holy moment with God. You go to that church on Sunday, I need to get in that holy place. No, you need to, wherever you're at, you can stop and take a step towards God face to face and allow his presence to come and create a holy moment. You can do that at work. You can do that at school. You can do that hanging out wherever you are, wherever you are. Do you take that step towards God? Even the things I don't really understand all that there is to know about you, God. How can we? He's so big. But I trust you. I feel you drawing me near. I'm a step to that. When God sees that, he loves that. So God speaks to us in that moment, and he creates a holy moment there, a face-to-face encounter. I love that. That means I can do that anywhere, anytime. I'm willing to take a step towards God. And so it goes on to say, uh, this in verse six, and he said, I'm the God of your father, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. At this, Moses, listen to this, Moses hid his face. 
because he's afraid to look at God. Hold on a second. I thought he had a face-to-face relationship. He did eventually. But like you and I, we got to start somewhere. We are all on this journey. Wherever you think that you are, we are all on a journey of taking steps towards God, experiencing holy moments with him. And out of that, we're developing this face-to-face relationship, which God always longs for and desires from us. And so the question is, what are you going to do about it? I mean, wherever we are, we can take that next step. And and what he's saying right here is Moses went from hiding his face to having face-to-face relationship. And that's God's desire for each and every one of us. And so it's important for us to understand the process that Moses went through because we can see some of the similar things in our life then, and we can work through those to have that kind of relationship in our prayer and then moments that we have encounters with God. So let's take a look at Moses' excuses and obstacles we see in the passage here that we can understand so we know how to walk through those to have that face-to-face relationship drawn closer to God. Number one, Moses asked this question. This was an obstacle, maybe an excuse. He said, who am I? The first obstacle Moses gave for not, for not getting close to God was himself, his own problems. He's like, God, I'm in exile. If you know the story, he had murdered a, a, a soldier that was beating a Hebrew, and he, he had to run for his life into the de- desert. He was exiled. I'm in ex- ex- exile. I'm a murderer. I've got issues. You don't want me. Hey, I've got issues, and you've got them too. <laughs> All of God's people have issues. So he's like, all of a sudden, Moses puts the focus on himself. I can't pray. I can't press in. I can't connect with you because I got issues. You picked the wrong guy. I'm the wrong guy. Take a look at Exodus 3.11. He says this, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? The next verse says, God said, I will be with you. I'll be with you. It's interesting that God doesn't even answer Moses' question. Because I would think if Moses said to God, hey, who am I? God would have said, Moses, you're my chosen one. I've raised you up and delivered you and had your mom and sister send you in a basket so Pharaoh's daughter can find you and raise you up in the Pharaoh's palace and saved you from all the murdering of the children and, and you're the one I picked. You're, you're my chosen one to deliver my people. God didn't say that. God really even, it just, he just ignored Moses' question. He said, I am with you. You know what God did? He redirected the focus off of Moses onto himself. I mean, he looked at Moses' character and he said, it's not about your character, Moses. It's about my character. And don't let our character or our unworthiness, if you will, keep us from connecting with God. Because the reality is most of us won't connect with God beyond what we feel our worthiness is. And God is redirecting it. Hey, this isn't about you, Don. This isn't about you, Jessamy. This isn't about you, Moses. This is about me. God's saying, it's not about your character. It's about my character. It's not about who you are. It's about who I am. It's not what you've done. It's what I've done. Come on in. Let's pray. Pray. Let's face-to-face connect. Because again, none of us will try and press in past what we feel our worthiness is. And can I say this is one? None of us are worthy. None of us. None of us are worthy. But God says, it's not about that. God says, I'm enough. So he redirects Moses. In your time of prayer, the devil will lie to you. And he will tell you you're not worthy. He'll rehearse everything you did that week. You'll all of a sudden, a video will play in your mind and you'll be looking at everything you did that week, the things that you said to your wife, the things that you looked at, the things that you did at work, the things that you didn't do. And all of a sudden, the devil's lying to you. Can I tell you that we need to overcome, one of the things we need to overcome is condemnation. 
God does not condemn us. The devil will try and get you to stay away from God through condemnation. It's part of his job description. John 3, 16, the most famous scripture known to man for God so loved the world is amazing. But John 3, 17, the very next one says, God didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. He came to rescue you. Condemnation from the enemy says, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. There's no point. You might as well just live with it. But conviction is a good thing because it says, yes, you've done wrong, but I have a way out. Come and meet with me. We need to overcome condemnation because that is not from God. That is from the enemy. And that's why when we approach God, we don't do it based on our worth, but his worth. Not what we've done, but what he's done. Titus 3, 4 through 5 says this. But when the kindness and love of our God, of God, our Savior appears, that he saves us because of his great love. It's his love for us. His love for us that he saves us by. You're saved by the blood of Jesus. You've been forgiven. So Moses had another one, number two. Who are you? That's what he asked. Who are you, God? Because understand, that's a great question. It seems like, wow, take it easy, Moses. But listen, Moses is suffering from abandonment. 400 years. Where have you been, God? And how many of us wonder that? When we go into prayer, what's the point? I haven't felt God. It doesn't seem like God's around. It doesn't seem like God's doing anything. Where is he? I'm going through all this stuff. Can I tell you? He's always there. And so the people are like 400 years. Oh, we've heard stories from our grandfather and grandfather's father, but we haven't seen or experienced you. Where you been? So God responds to him. It's a fair question, right? Exodus 3, 13 through 14. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? (laughs) What shall I tell them? Then God said to Moses, I am who I am. He wasn't skirting the question. It seems like kind of a non-answer. But God's like, no, I I am. Moses like, you are what? Yeah, I am. Are you that? Yeah, I'm that. Well, what? Yeah, that too. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm that too. Yeah, I'm that. Yeah, everything good, powerful, mighty. Yeah, that's me. You go tell them that I am sent me. And Moses was kind of like, well, where have you been then? The thing we need to overcome is our doubt. Because it doesn't matter what you see, feel, or experience, we know the character and nature of God. God is a big God. God is a good God. There's nothing too big for God. So the question is, the second obstacle is, how big is your God? Do you have a small view of God or do you have a big view of God? Or if you think as is taught that, you know, he used to heal, he used to deliver, he used to provide, but he doesn't do that anymore. And that's actually a doctrine. It's called a cessation theology that he did that, but he doesn't do it anymore. Can I tell you that's a lie? God's still doing miracles. He's still doing signs and wonders. And I don't know why some happen here and some don't happen there, but I really don't care. I'm going to pray like they're all here and available. I pray for people that I've seen miraculous things happen. I prayed for people that I haven't seen things happen, but it's not going to change one bit that I believe he is God and he is more than enough. And I choose to believe him. I would rather believe him and help in him and see nothing happen than not at all and be discouraged. How big is your God? You need to make sure that you understand that God is a big God. One of the best things we can do when we pray and to connect with God is to begin by declaring how big he is. And you've heard this before, and, and I think it's so powerful, but instead of spending time telling your, problem, uh, telling your God how big your problems are, tell your problems how big your God is. So you need to declare everything he is to you. You need to go in and declare that, God, you are my savior. 
thank you for saving me and rescuing me. You're my deliverer. You've delivered me from all these things. You're my healer. You heal my broken heart. You heal my body. You heal my mind. You're my provider. All my needs are met according to your riches and glory. You're my protector. You're my strong tower. You're my, my shield that surrounds me. You're my peace, my peace that passes understanding. The world can't give it and the world can't take it away. You're my joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it's not based on what's happening around about me, but based on who you are. There is nothing too difficult for you. You need to go in and start engaging God with how big he is. Face to face. We've got to overcome that doubt. Jeremiah 32, 17 says this. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you, to which I just want to sing that old song. Come on. Ah, Lord God, thou has made the heavens and the earth. Come on, raise your hand. You know, by thy great power. Right? Come on. I'll stop. Okay. All right. I will. I'll stop. We're going to get the team back up here in a minute, right? If I go any farther, I'm going to start doing the Holy Ghost hop because that's why I see it, right? That, you know, nothing is too difficult for thee. <laughs> nothing is too. Yeah, I can't do that. No. <laughs> Pastor Dave, why are you laughing? I got rhythm, Pastor Dave. It's just not right here. Okay, it's left me. Okay, all right. But man, that's a great song because it talks about how big God is. It, talks about, it helps you overcome your doubt. Just talk about how big he is in your life and what he's done. You need to believe God's a big God. Otherwise, why even go to him? If you don't believe he's big enough, why even go to him? He's a big God. Next obstacle, Moses raises another question. What if they, what if they won't listen? What if they don't agree with me? What if they don't believe me? I mean, you haven't been around for 400 years, but listen to this, Exodus 4.1. Exodus 4.1 talks, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Are you serious A burning bush? Come on. Hey, try and explain that one to people that haven't seen God in 400 years. Hey guys, I just want to tell you, I don't know how you're going to take this, but I was out in the desert, you know, with the sheep and goats or whatever out there. And I was walking around all of a sudden this, this bush, it looked like it was burning, but I, so I went closer, but it wasn't. And then when I got there, this voice called out to me out of the bush. And can you imagine people? Hey, Moses, are you drinking enough water while you're out there in the desert? Because it gets a little hot. Are you drinking, you know, lay off that hot goat milk. You know, too much of that could make you a little delirious. I mean, what would that be like for me to stand up here? Hey, you know what, guys? I had a good break. Thank you. Just got rested and all that. And, but just, you know, a funny thing happened the other day. I was in Landa Park and all of a sudden, just kind of walking around, and all of a sudden, I heard this voice calling to me. It was this bush that was burning, and he had some things he wanted me to tell you, right? Right then, about half of you would leave, and I don't blame you. And those that really love me would stay and pray for me, probably, right? It's like, yeah. what'd he say to you, Pastor Don? And the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's delirious. Yeah. <laughs> some of you'd be like, he told me the same thing. I told you. I told you. Now, come on, that's a hard one to swallow there. What, what if they say this? What if they say that? I, I mean, how are they going to believe me? What about that? It, and, and you know, the, the reality is the, the fear of men, the fear of whatever people think will keep us from pressing into God, will keep us from doing the things of God. What, what, is, what, what do you mean? What's going on? And, and if we're not careful, we'll let what people think and say keep us from going to God. It'll keep us from praying. They'll, they'll keep us from going to church. You're going there again. What are, you, what are you doing there for? They'll keep us from worshiping. Like I don't know who's here and I want someone to see me raise my hand. They'll, they'll keep us from raising our hands, entering in. They'll keep us from participating, coming up, having someone to pray with us. They'll, they'll keep us from praying for other people. They'll keep us from giving. 
Keep us from serving. Look at this in John 12. This is really sad, honestly. John 12, 42. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, because of the religious crowd and what they thought, they would not openly acknowledge their faith. For fear, they'd be put out of the synagogue, for they love human praise more than praise from God. Now listen, what that's talking about, the synagogue wasn't just church, it was the center of social activity. It's where people hung out. It's where people met. So you know what they were afraid of? They were afraid if they'd entered in and prayed and raised their hands and worshiped God, if they had an encounter with God, if they said anything or someone saw them, they think, yeah, those people, yeah, let's not, let's not have them over anymore. We're never going to be invited over for dinner anymore. No one's going to want to hang out with us. They were afraid to be shunned socially because they feared the praise of man more than they they feared the praise of God, more than they wanted that connection with God. And can I tell you, that's a lot of us. Let's just be honest. It's sad. We want people to know I go to that church. I don't check in because I don't want, you know, I mean, they're oh, we, why are you there? What's going on? I don't invite people to church because I don't want them to see me raise my hand or whatever. Or I'm careful. And I just, let's call it what it is. Listen, we can't, we can't fear man more than we love God. And there's just some things we're going to have to take a step of faith in to experience God face to face because God is to be experienced, not just to be known. God wants you to step out in faith. They were afraid they would get socially rejected. They were afraid what man would say. Proverbs 29 says, the fear of man is a snare. And that's another problem today with people encountering God. We're more about what people think than what, than what God thinks. So we have to overcome fear. When we pray, we engage God. We enter in service. We have to overcome fear. We have to overcome fear. And we pray uh, at the table at a restaurant for lunch. Don't worry if your family's the only one praying. Be the only one praying then. Don't worry if you're going to Walmart or H-E-B and getting groceries to stop and pray for somebody in the aisle. If the Lord prompts you to do that, do that. Who cares what other people think? Don't worry about coming into the house of the Lord or to church or a small group or whatever and raising your hands and worship and then just enjoying God and experiencing. Don't worry about that. Don't get caught up. That'll keep you from encountering God. That'll keep you from going to him. You know, I, I wrote this down. Clapping, singing, shouting, jumping, raising hands. Hey, I'm, I, I'm, I'm talking about church on Sunday, not just the ball game on Friday or Saturday. I'm super excited. I'm ready for college football to start, ready for football to start. Listen, I jump, I shout, I clap, I cheer, I raise my hands. Why can't I do it in church? Why can't I do it when I'm engaging God? It's really what it's intended for. You know what? The picture that you see in Acts really looks more what happens on Friday and Saturday than Sunday sometimes. But we need to press into God. Don't be in bondage to what other people think. Romans 1.16 says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Why would we be embarrassed or ashamed of something that is the salvation and hope of the world? We should be embarrassed and ashamed that we're not sharing it everywhere we go. We have the answer this lost and hurting world needs. They don't even know it or realize it half the time, but we shouldn't keep it to ourselves because we're ashamed or embarrassed. We should celebrate the message that we have and the relationship that we have with God. The world needs what we have. We can't be afraid of the world and keep it to ourselves. Moses had one more excuse, one more obstacle to praying and pressing in. I have never, I've never done that. Let me say this, in order for you to experience something from God you've never experienced, You'll have to do something you've never done. It's time for us to take another step. It's time for us to experience God in a deeper way. And that's face-to-face encounter. See, there's a step of faith that we need to take. Something you'll have to do to experience more of the depths of God. Exodus 4.10 says this. 
Exodus 4.10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoke to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And you know what's interesting to me? He's like, are you sure you picked the right guy? I stutter. I can't talk in front of people. And you want me to go in front of the people, all your people first, and then to Pharaoh? Are you sure you picked the wrong guy? And you know what? God loves to do that because God requires a step of faith. God requires a step of faith from you and I. In order to experience the fullness of God, the depths of God that we have yet, you have yet to go into, I have yet to go into, it's going to require a step of faith on our part because God rewards and responds to faith. See, we're people of faith. God picked the least capable guy in the eyes of man. Why does God do that? Because God rewards faith. See, it's the people of God who, it's the people who say, God, I'm uncertain, I'm unsure but I'm going to take this step of faith that God loves. It's the people that look at this bush that make, makes no sense, but they feel something drawing them there, that are that, that taking that step towards it that God responds to, that God loves. Until you get used to taking steps of faith, you'll never experience the best of God, the fullness of God, the depths of God. We need to overcome this. What do we need to overcome? We need to overcome our own reluctance. I know what I'm supposed to do. I just don't want to do it. I know what God wants me to do. I just don't want to do it. For some, God's been asking you to give something. You just haven't wanted to do it. For some, God's been asking you to serve. You just haven't wanted to do it. For some, God's been asking you to pray for someone or to pray. God, you just haven't wanted to do it. For some, God's been asking you to invite someone, but you just haven't wanted to do it. For some, God's been wanting you to lead a group. For some, God's been wanting you to take things to the next level and you just haven't wanted to do it. And I know all the excuses were reluctant and we'll say, you know, maybe the next semester and then, you know, I'm not really ready and maybe I need one more semester and then all of a sudden all the semesters passed us by now we're too old to do that and they need to find somebody younger or maybe giving and stuff like that, you know, and I know what that is. There's a reluctance because I know, well, I need, wait till I make a certain amount of money or wait till I pay off my bills or my debt, wait till I get a promotion and then I'll get, can I tell you God requires a step of faith and God rewards faith. And if we're waiting to everything to line up just right in our own mind, guess what? It'll never happen. You'll never do it. Because God is a God of faith. And he says, if you'll step towards the burning bush, not even understanding all that there is there, he says, well, I will call out to you and we will have a holy moment. That's what God's asking. How do I know that? Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards the step towards the burning bush. Especially when you have no idea what you're getting into, but you know there's something different about it. I want to encourage you this morning. All we need today is not to necessarily give you another message. We've got lots of messages in us, but we wanted to give you an opportunity to have an encounter, if you choose, with God. All we know to do, we can't create a holy moment for you, but we can create an environment that if you choose to take a step, another step towards God, maybe a step you've never taken before, then you and God can create a holy moment. And don't worry about anybody else in the room because it's about you and God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us 
at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.